0: You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente. On today's edition.
1: And so, everything that needs to happen before Jesus returns is happening. Many of it just happened. Everything that needs to be set in place is being set up. It's like the banquet has been set, but now. All the little ladies are going through and they're working on the details. You know, before everyone takes their place. You know, the guys can come in and set up the tables and set up the tablecloths and put the chairs and and get the general thing and then the ladies come in and they dial it in, right?
0: Can you think of a time when you were preparing for guests to come over? Do you remember what that excitement felt like as you were rushing to get things ready before they knocked on the door? If you were that excited about dinner guests, imagine how exciting it must be in heaven as Jesus's return gets closer. Each day is one day closer to when Jesus returns. Only it won't be as subtle as a knock. In today's message, Pastor Holland will explore many long awaited prophecies that are being filled today. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, as he continues his message The Red Heifer and the Third Temple.
1: Is it true that the Golden Dome is where the temple was actually built? Is that true? And over the years, there's been a lot of theories as to where the temple could be built based on where people believe the Holy of Holies was located. One of the ones that was a favorite of Chuck Missler is he. there's a place called the Dome of the Spirits that's to the right of the Dome of the Rock, and they believe that that was the location of the Holy of Holies. But if you go to the Dome of the Spirits, it's literally built on Mount Moriah. It's built on, it's, you see the rock right there. And so if you're looking at the rock, you're going, how could the Holy of Holies, because the actual temple was lower than what the existing, it wouldn't be at this level. So when you look at that, you're going, how could the Holy of Holies be underneath the rock? How could that be true? And so I would always think that, and I would always question that, but I kind of went along with it because it made sense at the time, and there's plans and blueprints and everything that kind of prove all of these things. But recent discoveries have been made that have kind of begun to lead people to think that perhaps the temple was built somewhere else. Now, in Jerusalem, there are three mountains. You have the Mount of Olives, which is at the very top. And then you have the Kidron Valley. Then you have the Mount Moriah. And then you have the other valley there, the Central Valley. And then you have Mount Zion. And then along the other edge of that, you have the Valley of Hinnom, which in Hebrew is Gai Ben Hinnom. And so when you shorten Gai Ben Hinnom, you come up with Gehenna, right? So Gehinnom. So that's where Jesus referred to as hell. It's where the trash was burnt in Jesus' day. But prior to Jesus' day, in ancient times, that's where the nation of Israel sacrificed to the false god, Molech, which was a statue and they would take their newborn babies and they would heat up the arms of the statue and then they would place the live babies on these burning hot iron arms and they would basically cook the babies to death. That's what they did. They would kill their babies. And so so you have this thing and you have these three valleys that separate that all meet together. And when you look at the shape of these three valleys, it forms the letter Shem. The letter Shem. And the letter Shem is the name of God, Hashem. The name. The name of God, Hashem. And what's interesting, in 2 Kings 21.4, it says, the Lord said, in Jerusalem, I will put my name. And that's what God has done. Literally, he has stamped his name on Jerusalem. In the valleys that flow, in the mountains, it forms the name of god right there so it's just so radical when you look at scripture and you see it in real life that's why we say we interpret the bible literally it's not figuratively god does it literally and literally the name of god is stamped on the city of jerusalem now in between the kidron valley and the central valley is the city of david Now, for centuries, people thought the city of David was equal to Jerusalem. But then a friend of mine, Jeff Russell, who's now with the Lord, he's spoken at our church a few times. He was part of the team with David Hawking that discovered the city of David. And they went in with fiber optics and they sent it underneath the ground and they discovered this whole complex known as the city of David, and at that time they realized that no, the city of David and Jerusalem aren't the same. There are two cities. You had the city of David, and above the city of David was Jerusalem. That's how it, it existed. And so very fascinating. And as they were looking throughout the city of David underneath with this fiber optics, one of the things they discovered was the altar, an altar, an altar. Now, why is that significant? Because like I said, in Judaism, when God established the tabernacle, when God established the altar, it wasn't like there were altars all over the place. Worship me wherever you want. There was one altar. And so if you find the one altar, you have found the temple. You have found the temple. But here's the thing. The altar wasn't located on the temple Mount. The altar was located just above the city of David, just above the palace that David built on a flat ground that the scriptures tell us is the threshing floor of Onan. And so what we call the wailing wall or the part of the temple structure is actually part of the retaining wall of the praetorium where the Roman army would have housed themselves. Because you have to think about this, all right? Just imagine this. There were 10,000 soldiers in the Roman army. Where would they have been? Where would you have placed them? If you've been to Masada and you look down on Masada, you see where the Roman armies were encamped. There's these big square areas where they would build a wall and they would encamp in these square areas. There are several of them all around Masada, and this looks exactly like it. So the Roman army what we would have been what we call the Temple Mount would have actually been the place where the Roman army would have housed their soldiers. Now, Micah prophesied concerning Jerusalem in Micah 3:12, therefore because of you Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. what do we see? We see bare hills of forest. There's nothing there that would give us any indication that a temple had existed. Josephus said concerning the destruction of the temple, it was so thoroughly laid, even with the ground, by those that dug it up to the foundation that there was left nothing to make those that came thither believe it had ever been inhabited. In other words, you could not come Centuries later and go, oh, the temple was there. Because you would see no evidence of it. Nothing, nothing left, no foundation. And so if you look at that and you listen to the words of Jesus, Jesus said no stone would be left on top of each other. And then you see this big wall of stones. It doesn't fit the prophecy of Jesus, does it? And I don't think Jesus was saying, no stone will be left on each other except for maybe a few to give you a hint. He would have said that, but that's not what he said. He's very emphatic. No stone would be left. So the place where the Dome of the Rock is, the Temple Mount, is not where the temple was built because it is there. We can see it. And according to Jesus, we wouldn't be able to see it. Which means the temple was not built on the Temple Mount, which has been a source of contention with the Jews and the Muslims for centuries. Been a source of contention.
0: Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this
1: is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomene.org. We look forward
0: to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio.
1: Now, imagine this. Imagine if they discovered that the temple was actually built somewhere else and that we wouldn't have to mess with the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount could be given over to the Gentiles. That can belong to the Gentiles. That could be the courts of the Gentiles, the area of the Gentiles. But the place where we want to build the temple, where we believe the altar is, is just south of that. And then we wouldn't have to get into this huge conflict. Well, whoever would recognize that would be probably a candidate for the Nobel Peace Prize. To be able to say, hey guys, we've had it wrong all these years. The temple was actually built here. Let us build here. And let's bring peace to the Middle East. Wouldn't that be amazing? Now, we know this is going to happen because in Revelations 11, 1 to 2, it tells us that the temple will be rebuilt 42 months before the Battle of Armageddon. 42 months, three and a half years before the Battle of Armageddon. Now, to this day, the religious Jews, the rabbis, say that no Jew should even go on the Temple Mount. Because we don't have the red heifer. We don't have the ashes of the red heifer. We don't have any means of cleansing from the dead. Which is why, if you recognize in Jerusalem, there's on one side of the Temple Mount, there's graveyards that cover it. Because the Muslims know that the Jews will not go where the dead bodies are because they'll be defiled, right? And so Messiah, it says, will enter into the Eastern Gate. And so right around the Eastern Gate, they've planted all these Graves thinking that Messiah will not pass through the gate because he's got to walk over the dead bodies. And that would defile him. Well, what they don't know is that when Messiah comes in the book of Revelation, when Jesus' foot touches the Mount of Olives, that all the dead people are rose up. There's no dead people there anymore. They didn't get that part of the scriptures. So it's God's going to take care of that. And he'll be able to enter into the eastern gate. And so right now, because there is no red heifer, there can be no sacrifices. They can't go on the Temple Mount. So everything stops. We're waiting for the red heifer. So you can see that the recent discovery of the first temple in the city of David, the recent birth of the red heifers, the recent peace treaty with the United Arab Emirates and the secret transfer of the control of the holy sites of Israel from the Palestinians to the Saudis. That all of this that has happened, it's paving the way for the rebuilding of the third temple. And the prophecy in Daniel says that a false Messiah will rise up, broker a peace agreement, And I believe that will include the rebuilding of the third temple and Israel reinstituting temple sacrifices. But 42 months before Jesus returns, three and a half years into this peace treaty, in fact, I believe it'll probably happen just before Israel begins temple sacrifices, that this false Messiah will break the agreement and stop the temple sacrifices from happening. And I believe that he will say, hey guys, what are you guys doing? We need to open this up to all nations. You know, this is a house of prayer for all nations. And so Buddhists, bring your idols in. Hindus, bring your idols in. And he's going to invite it to be a place where all religions can gather in the one world religion, backed by the false prophet, who is the head of the one world religion based out of Rome. And when the Jews here, that the false Messiah is inviting the idols back in, they're going to say, no way. We are not going to let that happen. And that's when the Antichrist will declare war on the Jews. And he will gather the forces of the world in the valley of Megiddo, Har Megiddo, or what we refer to as Armageddon. It's the one place where all the armies of the world could gather and stage an attack against Jerusalem. And they will march from the Valley of Megiddo to Jerusalem. It's about a four or five hour walk. And they will march against Jerusalem. And when they get into the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which is also known as the Kidron Valley, between the Mount of Olives and what we call today the Temple Mount, the City of David, when they get to the valley of Jehoshaphat and the Jews see that they are about to be wiped out, they will call out to the Lord. And the Lord says, when they call to me, I will answer them. And Jesus will return with his armies of saints, you and I, riding on our white horses. Yes. And with one word, Jesus will destroy the false messiah. One word. The Bible says that the blood will run so deep it'll be as tall as a horse's bridle, which is taller than me. You know, and, and I calculated it's like 200,000 people have to die at once for that happen. One word will wipe out the armies of the Antichrist. And the prophecy in Daniel 9 will be fulfilled. But here's the thing. What is the key to tell us that now is the time? The birth of a red heifer. The birth of a red heifer. Exciting. Now, what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us today? Well, 1 John chapter 3, I want to read this scripture. 1 John chapter 3, it says, Beloved, Now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We've been making the connection in the book of Numbers with the journey through the wilderness, and the betrothal, the Jewish betrothal ceremony that leads to the marriage covenant. That marriage covenant is going to be established when Israel gets into the promised land in Joshua. But after the bride accepts the betrothal, the groom goes to prepare a place for her, and after it's completed, he returns to bring her to the place. And so as we go through the book of Numbers, God is bringing Israel into the land of promise. And what is the struggle that Israel is going through? It's the battle for faith, for faithfulness. And the unbelieving generation dies in the wilderness. The believing generation will go into the promised place. In the same way, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he said this, he goes, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will return to come and get you and to bring you to this place. Our bridegroom is about to return. Messiah is about to return. But before he returns with us, he's going to return for us. He's going to come and get us. Speaking of the rapture of the church. And so everything that needs to happen before Jesus returns is happening. Many of it just happened. Everything that needs to be set in place is being set up. It's like the banquet has been set, but now all the little ladies are going through and they're working on the details. You know, before everyone takes their place. You know, the guys can come in and set up the tables and set up the tablecloths and put the chairs and, and get the general thing. And then the ladies come in and they dial it in, right? We're seeing all the little prophecies that are kind of out there that have yet to be established, fulfilled. We're seeing all of them come into play right now. And now more than ever, God is saying, get ready, live ready. Number your days. Be about eternal things because Jesus is coming back soon. And this is the time to let things go, to live light in this world, to not be concerned about the things of this world, but to be concerned about the things of heaven. Now's the time to forgive. If you have unforgiveness, forgive. If you have bitterness, forgive. If you are... Living in a situation where you have hardened yourself in your heart, soften your heart to the Lord. Do not harden your heart before the Lord, but be tender towards Him. If you're involved in things that easily beset you, that set you aside, now is the time to let them go. Because Jesus is coming back. And we don't know the exact day or hour, but we can know the times and the seasons. And we're in the times. We're in the seasons, and we need to be ready. This is not a time to be freaked out and afraid, but to look up and to rejoice, because our redemption is near. And the rabbis are saying it. The redemption of Israel is close. It's going to happen any day. We're all saying the same thing. The redemption of the world is close. Jesus is coming back soon. If you're not ready for him, then you can pray a simple prayer and commit your life to Jesus and be ready for him so that when your bridegroom comes, you won't be shocked or afraid, but you'll be filled with joy and ready to receive him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and how exciting it is to live in these days when we are seeing the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And who would have known that something as simple as Numbers chapter 19 and the red heifer would have prophetic significance for us today? And yet it does. And Lord, we want to be ready to meet you. And if you're not ready, you can pray this simple prayer. Mean it with all your heart. And just say, Jesus, I want to be ready. I want to be ready to meet you. Forgive me for living life my way. Forgive me for breaking your law. Forgive me for going against Your word, rejecting your leadership. I receive it. I receive you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. For today I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. When I was a young man, Jesus made himself known to me. I was sitting in a Bible study and I heard an audible voice say, Holland, I love you. And those words changed my life. And you know, those words can change your life today as well. You know, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, Would not perish, but have everlasting life. And today you can begin that eternal, everlasting life by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I wanna live my life for you. Forgive me for everything I've done to offend you. Forgive me for breaking your law. I want to surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days
0: of my life. And if you've done that, you're born again. You've been listening to a message in a series through the book of Numbers. Pastor Holland has more to share from this Old Testament book and we look forward to the next edition of Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Numbers is a mix of rules and rituals sprinkled with details of God's expectations as well as giving you some good insights into some of the larger events that occurred during this time of wandering in the wilderness. God gave the people many opportunities to follow in obedience, which would include blessing, but many times the people chose their own way, which led to death and judgment. It's a recurring pattern that happens with human nature. One thing's for sure, God gives chances and grants mercy, but He also must judge for sin and wickedness. As you listen to these teachings, do you appreciate the way that God responds to things, or does it bother you in some way? If you'd like to get in touch with us about what you've heard today, feel free to call us at 949-228-9117. That number again is 949-228-9117. We'd be happy to talk with you about any questions, comments, or concerns. Another way you can learn more about what you're hearing is by listening to additional messages from this series. You can find them at CalvarySanClemente.org. Click on the Teachings tab. We're thankful that you spent some of your day listening to the Word. And hope you'll join us again on Worship Life Radio.
1: Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at WorshipLifeRadio.com.